Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students for You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 21 of the quarantine edition of my show. Crazy to think that I've gone to 21 episodes now since obviously the whole pandemic thing happened and that stuff, but. Today, it's just three segments for my show today. I'm going to talk about the transfer deadline day action around the world of European soccer. I'm also going to talk about the NBA Finals, which was normally going to be my lead segment today, but I think I have to talk about the NFL in my lead today. The NBA Finals will lead my show next week, but... The NFL stuff kind of got really surreal because COVID-19 finally struck around the league and there's kind of a lot to say about that. So first things first, what happened in the NFL? So the Tennessee Titans have now 11 players who tested positive and some staff members who tested positive. The New England Patriots starting quarterback Cam Newton has tested positive and you have a handful of other cases that have happened as well around the NFL. But why this is really important is because one of the big points I have with the National Football League in their return is that I was really mad about how it feels like they really didn't prepare for this stuff. And I know that you know, there might be some people that disagree with me, but I don't see the evidence of any kind of preparation or organization from the NFL. It looks like a complete dysfunctional mess right now. And they got lucky because they had to postpone the Pittsburgh Steelers game and the Tennessee Titans game. And they got lucky that both of those teams had outs like bye weeks in their schedule that it would be easy to reschedule a game for. But, I mean... If this happened to two different teams, might be a completely different conversation. So, you have that problem because unlike in baseball, in football you can't just reschedule games and play two games a week. Because football, the way the sport works, there's just too much hitting and players can't handle that. It's just too much. And that's kind of always been the case. So, I'm very upset with the NFL. Because this season, like, I just love NFL seasons. They're so much fun. But I'm having serious doubts about the longevity that this season could continue to go on for as long as it might be able to. Because they got lucky with this, these most recent outbreaks, but they won't be with the next one. So, anyway, that's kind of my little, my little blurb about COVID-19. The Patriots game got moved to yesterday with Kansas City because I guess no one else other than Cam Newton has tested positive. But with the incubation period on the virus, it's a little tough to tell, you know, where. It's a little tough to tell right now if they're completely out of the woods yet with that one. But we'll see. Anyway, I wanted to quickly mention that. It's just I'm not super, super optimistic about the NFL because they should have had contingencies with extra bye weeks and just the way the schedule is. Instead of marching ahead as normal, how about have maybe a plan in place so you don't look so stupid? But 
there were games that were played this week, even though Pittsburgh's and Tennessee's was not. And so, here we go. Game four, or sorry, week four, excuse me, recaps of the games. Thursday night was a... Wow, how do I describe this? It was a slugfest between two teams that would really just rather hit the restart button on the entire season, and maybe their entire rosters, because Denver and the Jets both winless going into this game, and it looked like two winless teams playing one another. Denver won this game 37-28 to because the New York Jets' defense is still terrible, and their offense, and I realize Sam Darnold was playing hurt through a lot of the end of the game, but he still made a lot of really bad mistakes in this one for the Jets. And despite the fact that Brett Rippon, who was the first-time starter for the Denver Broncos and their normal third-string quarterback, in spite of the fact he threw, he threw three interceptions, Denver still came out on top in this one. So credit to the Broncos for getting their first win of the season. The Jets continue to lead the race for Trevor Lawrence. Cardinals and Panthers. This game, another surprise. Carolina won 31-21, meaning they're 2-2 two two on the season. They've now won both games without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup, which is extremely impressive, and they deserve a ton of credit for that. And for Arizona, they better start figuring it out because this is not good for a team that certainly has playoff expectations this season. Colts and Bears. So this game actually got flexed to the afternoon, but... It ended up being a 19-11, just really boring, sleepy snooze fest. Chicago lost, mostly because they had nothing to speak of from the run game. And almost, and only slightly more to speak of from the pass game, but really not a lot to hang their head on. The Colts won by field goals pretty much the whole game, but that got it done in the end. The Colts defense, by the way, ranked number one in the NFL right now. They certainly looked the part in this one. Jaguars and Bengals. Joe Burrow got his first career NFL win with a 33-25 win, which means the Bengals are now ahead of the Jaguars with a 1-2-1 record. Jacksonville has not won since their Week 1 win over the Colts, which, by the way, looks extra impressive considering how Indianapolis de Indianapolis's defense has played since then. But Jacksonville, certainly not in a good run of form right now. They're going to have to find a way to turn it around. Credit to Joe Burrow, though, finally getting his first NFL win. Browns and Cowboys. So, Dallas's CFL-level defense gave up 49 points to the Cleveland Browns, who, despite the fact they lost their starting running back Nick Chubb in this game, basically could run the ball at will on Dallas, and Odell Beckham Jr. was completely unstoppable. Dak Prescott played really well, again, and Dallas's offense scored 38 points again. But it's not good enough when your defense is... They're not even, like, it's not even just that they're, wor they're the worst defense in the NFL. They're the worst defense in the NFL by a mile. And they're not dealing with massive injuries like a lot of other defenses are trying to contend with. Dallas's defense is relatively healthy. They just suck. Plain and simple. Alright, Saints and Lions. So Detroit does a typical Detroit thing of getting off to an early lead and then blowing it as the Saints came back to win 35-29 to to try and keep pace with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For Detroit, they are now 1-3 and, and Matt Patricia somehow still has a job there. Not sure how because any other coach, like he took over a 9-7 team that missed the playoffs. 
And in three seasons in Detroit, Matt Patricia has a combined 10 wins. I don't know how you can possibly expect that type of performance to keep a job, essentially. But anyway, nonetheless, Detroit will continue to be Detroit. Vikings and Texans, the battle of the 0-3 teams that were expected to do a lot better. Minnesota won this game 31-23. Fuller bobbled the ball around a little bit, so Houston couldn't tie it late in this one. But Dalvin Cook, he has been exceptionally good. And I'm not just saying that because he's been on my fantasy team, although that's certainly part of it. But Dalvin Cook has been exceptional for the Minnesota Vikings this season, and he was again against Houston. Houston, by the way, have fired, as of yesterday, head coach and general manager Bill O'Brien from their squad. My response to that is, well, it's about time, but it's kind of too late because the damage is already done. It's going to take years for them to be able to recover from the damage that Bill O'Brien has done to that organization with his terrible, terrible decisions. And if you're wondering, by the way, for the 0-4 Houston Texans, who owns their first-round pick this year, it's the Miami Dolphins. And guess who owns their second-round pick? Yep, you guessed it, the Miami Dolphins. So I think Miami's enjoying this a lot. Although they weren't enjoying their game against Seattle on Sunday. They lost 31-23. to Russell Wilson and his squad have the, um, sorry, they've started 4-0 for the second time in franchise history. Last time they did that, they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, could certainly be another one in the cards. Although this Seattle defense, I still think, has a lot of issues. But Russell Wilson's just so good, they kind of, you know, he makes up for a lot of the mistakes. But Seattle's 4-0. Miami, I think, will eventually turn to Tua Tungvalu at some point here for quarterback, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Chargers and Buccaneers. So this game, to me, was pretty simple. Because last year, Tampa Bay would have lost this game. But this year, because they had Tom Brady, they won this game. They won 38-31 to over the LA Chargers with a 17-point comeback in this one. Tom Brady threw five touchdown passes for the first time since 2017. Justin Herbert, by the way, of the LA Chargers, he looked really good in this game. Again, he still makes some rookie mistakes, which, you know, he's going to do, considering that, you know, he is a rookie player still. But he looks like a pretty damn good quarterback for the Chargers going forward. And for Tampa Bay, I can't remember the last time Tampa Bay was 3-1 and one to start a season, but they certainly have expectations through the roof with that team. Baltimore and the football team, well, the Ravens won 31-17. Lamar Jackson played really well. Washington's not that good. Simple. That game, not a lot to discuss. Rams and Giants. So the Giants, despite the fact they've been terrible this season, actually put up a pretty good fight in this one against the LA Rams, who only won 17-9. They had a chance to tie it late, too. Couldn't quite get it done. Although, certainly, this game has a lot of headlines coming out of it because Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey got into a straight-up fistfight at the end of the game. It has a lot to do with personal issues they have off the field, which I don't really have time to get into, but was, you know, certainly something. A lot of bad blood between the Rams and the Giants. Rams won in the end, but, like, far from impressive from the L.A. Rams. Bills and Raiders, so Buffalo won 30-23, to 
And so they are now 4-0, their first 4-0 start since 2008. Josh Allen looks exceptional this season. And Buffalo, I think, is making a case very loud and clear that they are the number three team in the AFC behind Baltimore and Kansas City. Eagles and 49ers. So this was the Sunday night football game between the injury-plagued 49ers and the injury-plagued Philadelphia Eagles. And Carson Wentz threw a perfect touchdown pass to Travis Fulgham. And if you're wondering who that is, I, being an Eagles fan for pretty much my whole life, I didn't even know who Travis Fulgham was before this game. And he caught the game-winning touchdown pass. And so that kind of tells you how injured the Eagles were going into this game. The offensive line, I think, considering the fact they were missing four starters, did pretty well for Philadelphia. Although, again, San Francisco also super injured. Nick Mullins really struggled in this game. And so he was replaced by C.J. Beathard later on. The 49ers should get Jimmy Garoppolo back at some point, but they definitely struggled without him today, except George Kittle, who continues to show why he's the best tight end in the NFL. He had 183 receiving yards, which was certainly very needed by this Niners team to make make it competitive against Philadelphia. All right, the Monday night game. So Patriots and the Chiefs, it was 26-10. to 10. This game was interesting because Bill Belichick just completely took Andy Reid to school in the coaching department. And if Brian Hoyer wasn't the quarterback for New England, they probably would have won this game. Because Kansas City, their defense played all right, but their offense struggled a lot. And, you know, if a couple calls go the other way and, you know, maybe the Patriots hold on to a ball because Patrick Mahomes certainly, certainly should have been intercepted a few times. I think New England could have won this very easily, but... In the end, they didn't. Kansas City found a way to win, which good teams tend to do. But it's a shame that we didn't get to see Cam Newton play in this game for New England. But Andy Reid definitely way outcoached considering New England's massive, massive talent discrepancy between these two teams. And then finally, the actual Monday night game was Packers and Falcons. Green Bay won very comfortably 30-16. to Similarly to Matt Patricia, I'm not sure why Dan Quinn still has his job in Atlanta because his team, again, off to a horrible start this season, and I don't see any way they're going to make the playoffs. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers seems to have found a little bit of that fountain of youth stuff because in spite of the fact that they were missing their top two receivers, he played extremely well in this game, and I think the Packers overall did very well for themselves. And so that's it for the NFL stuff. I'll move on to the NBA Finals. Game four goes tonight between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. Miami won game three thanks to a 40-point triple-double from Jimmy Butler, who's the first player to do that in the finals since, well, LeBron James in 2017. So... Miami fought back valiantly, and I guess Bam Adebayo is going to play tonight, so maybe? I don't know. I still think it's a long shot for the Heat, but I'm glad they're not going to get swept. I'm glad that they are going to put up a fight to the bitter end, and they're not going to fold like the Houston Rockets did in that series against the Lakers. The Lakers should still close this out. Don't, don't get it twisted, but Miami's going to fight, so we'll see. Should be... Very interesting game number four tonight. 
And finally, the transfer deadline day happened in European football. And so here are some of the notables. Everton signed Godfrey from Norwich City to help bolster their defense. Juventus signed Federico Chiesa for way too much money and I think kind of a puzzling a puzzling transfer to say the least. And it's not because Chiesa is a bad player, he's not, but as far as is he going to help Juventus win now? I don't think he's the guy to help them win right now. Although I could be wrong about that, but I guess we'll see. Douglas Costa, meanwhile, is going back on loan to Bayern Munich, and so that's kind of just strengthening the European champions even more, which I think is a strange decision from Juventus, but nonetheless, that went down. Arsenal signed Thomas Partey because they activated his release clause, which means they finally spent some money. Thank goodness they spent money because it's so frustrating watching Arsenal continually underachieve because they're not willing to buy the players they need. But in the most Arsenal fashion possible, after getting Thomas Partey, which I think, by the way, is a great signing, they send Lucas Torreira on loan the other way to Atletico. And so the midfield problem is not fixed anymore. My whole thinking for Arsenal's midfield was you need Torreira with somebody, not Torreira going for somebody. But Arsenal are going to Arsenal sometimes. Manchester United signed a couple of players. They got Edinson Cavani, which I don't know how I feel about the fit there. I feel like that's a little questionable. And they also signed Alex Tellez, which I think is actually a really good signing. Alex Tellez helps solve a big problem for them at left back, especially after they got smashed by Tottenham 6-1 to over the weekend. So one good signing for Manchester United, one puzzling signing for Manchester United. Overall, I mean, they're going to be in for a fight to try and get in the top four this year, I think. And the last bit of transfer news I just wanted to mention quickly has to do with the Canadian Premier League, and specifically Cavalry FC. Because Erevin Peppel is getting a two-week tryout with Sheffield United of the Premier League, and apparently, according to reporting from Oliver Platt of One Soccer, he was saying that, I guess, he's also gotten interest from other top-level clubs in England and even in La Liga as well. And so... Even though I know Peppel didn't play a lot at the Island Games for Cavalry this year, he is 17. He's the youngest Canadian Premier League debutante the league has ever had, although I'm, I'll give you that the league's only two years old. But this is a fantastic opportunity. The fact that he's getting this opportunity to try out with Sheffield United, they could potentially purchase him. This is huge for the league. It's huge for the player. And it's huge for cavalry themselves obviously because part of the reasoning for the cpl to play the island games at all was because they knew they could recoup some of the money they lost back in transfer fees so this is massive i'm definitely going to keep an eye out on this one i really hope he makes it because if he if pepple can legitimately get onto a premier league roster with sheffield united that would be fantastic for his development and fantastic for Canadian soccer in general. But that's it. That's all I got for today. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I know this this show is a little bit shorter than some of my other ones, but 
I'm recording this before the NHL draft, so I'm going to go watch that. I'll have a draft recap and a free agency recap on my show next week. Also going to talk about NFL Week 5 and the NBA Finals should be wrapped up by the time I do my show next week, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But nonetheless, all of that fun stuff you can look forward to next week. But once again, to everybody out there, I want to say be happy, be healthy, and stay safe.